Hey guys, Tucker here, co-host of the Portland Real Estate Podcast. Before we get into this week's show, I wanted to let you know that we're currently looking for more projects. So for any of you guys that listen to the show that may be an agent or otherwise that have a property that you're looking to sell, we'd love to hear from you. Obviously, we're looking to purchase properties that are maybe not best suited for the retail market or maybe they need to be redeveloped. So we do renovations and we do new construction so we could buy an existing home that maybe it smells like cigarette smoke, maybe it hasn't been updated in decades, maybe it's got some fun functional issues, some problems like that, or maybe it's just in an area that is best suited to take the house down, partition the lot, maybe build a couple new homes, or just build one new home in its place, and anything in between. So if you guys out there in Listenerland have anything that would be best suited selling to a development company like ours, we'd love to hear from you. You can go to our website, which is ttmdevelopmentcompany.com, and when you go there, there's a contact us tab. Click on that, and you can send us a message, and we'll get back to you shortly thereafter. We'd love to hear from any of you guys out there that have a property like this, and hopefully we we can do a deal together. This is the Portland Real Estate Podcast, your number one place for anything you need to know about the Portland real estate market, along with in-depth interviews from our local real estate industry experts. Now, without further ado, here are our hosts, Tucker Merrihue from TTM Development Company and Steve Nassar from Premier Property Group. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to episode 79 of the Portland Real Estate Podcast. We're back again this month. We have a best of masters. We were due for it. So without further ado, welcome my uh, co-host and our guest, Steve Nassar and Joe Fusola. What's up, guys? Hey, good to be back on. Welcome, Joe. Thank you. Glad to be back. Yeah. So uh, how are you guys holding up in Snowmageddon here? Working from home? Yeah, I just went out and bought a two-year supply of food. So we have canned goods, bottled water, batteries, candles, wine, <laughs> all the good stuff. The important stuff. Yeah, yeah, good. You know, I'm of the mindset, if we're going to miss work, then let's miss work and let's have it be meaningful. I was a little disappointed yesterday. I started to see flurries early, so I kind of got spooked. I've got I think I, I may have mentioned on here before, I've got probably the worst snow car on the planet, rear wheel drive, a lot of horsepower. And so it's a sure recipe to go sideways quickly. So anytime there's any type of snow event, I'm I'm quick to hunker down. So I, I did that early yesterday and then, you know, it stopped and it was realized I probably could have got around for most of the day and then fortunately came in later in the day. So I don't know. Here it is. But I'm... I'm already over it and ready for it to go away. How about you guys? I was kind of mobbing around in it all day. So, you know, this morning was interesting. There was some dinglings on the road, you know, leftover dinglings from last night. But at this point, I think it's pretty much thawed. So we'll see if we keep getting it or not. But I'm good with it not coming back. We've got some construction schedules we need to keep. So snow always throws a big wrench in that. Yep. Should we get into our uh, topics for Best of Masters, Steve? I'll let maybe you introduce the first one, and then we can see what uh, your guys' thoughts are on them. Yeah, so the first one was actually a poll. I'm trying to find it, and I'm not having a, a ton of success with it, but that's okay. Here it is, actually. Charles Turner posted this. It was a poll, and it basically asked, where do you work from, primarily, having a heck of a time clicking on it. But he, and he asked, he said, do you work out of an office? Do you work from your home office? 
or do you do some kind of you know split between home and and, and coffee shops? And there was a few other options. And, and I'm not surprised by this data. Actually, if anything, I would have pegged more people would work from home than than this. Of the people that responded, 83 said they work from their home office. 33 said out and about between office, home, coffee shops. And then 32 said an office. And then four people said home, no, no dedicated office. So those guys are sitting on their couch answering emails <laughs> with their laptop on, on their lap, which is a little tricky. And then one said car. Yeah, we had one response for car. So we thought it was just kind of an interesting topic to discuss, you know, what, what our observations are. I mean, Joe, you run a successful company with a lot of people in a lot of different offices. Was this surprising to you? Does it look par for the course? What were your thoughts? Not surprising at all. And, you know, it's it's different for me as an owner going into the office, right? I go to the office to not get things done. I go to the office to solve everybody else's problem. If I'm working, <laughs> yeah, if I'm working, if I'm working on a subdivision or, you know, some listings or some sales at home is where it's at. And, you know, there's something to say for millennials, right? Because, why would you possibly have to get up, drive somewhere in traffic, and have this commute to physically be somewhere to be efficient, right? Millennials, I mean, they have their hoodie on, their backpack, they just like flop on uh, a chair or a couch, they're on their phone, they're on their tablet, their, their notebook. They're doing what they need to do like instantaneously. And I get it. I'm not saying do away with all the offices because, gosh, sometimes you need to sit around the conference table and have, you know, a big boy discussion and and you're wearing, you know, your Sunday best. But honestly, 95 percent of the time, it's it's not that way. And so I prefer I wake up in the morning, I grab my coffee, I come into my den, I fire up and I am already here. No commute. I expected to see a little bit more. A lot of these people that belong to companies, they have offices, but they never go to them. And I think there's a difference between some people that don't even have brick and mortar versus people who do have brick and mortar, but just choose never to darken the doorstep. And, you know, we have a bunch of beautiful offices, but you can't catch anyone ever in it. And that's why the, the whole shift of the title reps. They used to go drop in at offices and, and pass out cards and candy and whatever it is. And that's how they got business. And they could go to 20 different companies and maybe see 20 realtors total. So their philosophy now is to hold classes and then you have 50 people in one room. So they're incentivized to have these classes to get the realtors to come to them because they're offering a benefit. And it's just, as technology improves, I think you're going to see far and far people in the office on a daily basis. Yeah. I'm curious what yeah. you think, Steve, because you, you guys run a lot of offices. Yeah. What, what's your policy, or do you have one, or what do you see at your company? Yeah, so, and by the way, Joe, you wrote, like, a novel in here, <laughs> yeah. and it was spot on, and you talked about a lot of this stuff, um, and I liked what you had to say there, and you, you and I are on the same page here. So here's here's kind of the deal with offices. First of all, I'll talk about myself. I'm an office guy. I have a team. You almost have to be when you have a team. 
it becomes a little bit weird if you have five people and you say, hey, come to my house. We'll sit around the kitchen table and and oh, by the way, ignore the dog that's running around and 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 the wife or kids that are you know doing dishes in the background or wh whatever the case. So teams typically gravitate towards offices. I'm not an exception there. There are a couple. We just hired a big team on the east side that does not use an office. They all work from home and Skype and do all this other interesting stuff. It'll be interesting to see if that becomes more commonplace. You definitely save money. I mean, you know, offices are an expense for agents. Most companies in our company, you know, the offices aren't included in your annual cost. It's it's a little extra. So agents can definitely save money if they don't need one. I agree. There are days where I work from home and I, I enjoy that process. Today is a perfect example. And I'm no less no less efficient individually. I'm probably a little bit less efficient, you know, in my team interaction if I was going to say from a personal standpoint, I like the professional environment of an office. When you're busy and you're around people that are busy, it kind of keeps you on task. There is a tendency when you're home to get a little bit distracted, whether it's a TV or throwing in a load of laundry or running down to check the mail. And those things can come up. I don't think they're the end of the day. I think the trade-off, like Joe said, is you lose the commute, waste of time. I think personally it gives you a little separation in your in your life. I bet, Joe, the days that you work from home, it's hard to put the, the work hat on and take it off. It, it, there's not quite that that separation. Whereas when you, you get up, you take a shower, you brush teeth, you run out the door, you're suddenly in full work mode and, and you're, you're getting things done. And then when you enter back home, there's a tendency not to say that sometimes you don't jump up and do some stuff, but it's it's definitely it can blend a little bit more together. Would you agree with that, Joe, when you work from home? You know, I'm I'm more efficient at home. So in all scenarios, I'm most efficient at home. I got my two 32 inch monitors here. I got the fastest computer. I'm ripping up the Internet and I'm like free to do exactly what I need to do independent of my surroundings and yeah there's a lot yeah. of people that can't do that yeah but i can and it works great and yeah that's my <laughs> preference yeah no absolutely absolutely and you're not alone in fact that's what i said here i was surprised i would have expected more people working from home office our experience at ppg is about 90 percent work from home 10 percent wow. need an office there, you know, a lot of teams, but a lot of solo agents. They just like that place to go to and 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 get into full work mode. Ninety percent are great from their home office. They like working from their home office. You made a great point, Joe, about listing appointments. You don't need an office for listing appointments. I don't think you need an office for buyers' appointments unless you know unless you want to talk safety and meeting somebody first in the office. That's a little different equation. But here's what I'll tell you, and this is our experience: to be a relevant player in a market, you do need to have an office there. The companies who try to go fully virtual, or even in our experience when we were in Bend and didn't really have an office, it was really hard to get traction. Again, not because everybody wants to be in the office all day every day. But they just like to know that there's that location, that structure, that formality, that receptionist, you know, place to grab signs, place to pop in, scan things. So I don't think the future, and this is where I would I would challenge anybody that says, and, I, and, and you definitely don't think this, Joe, but I've seen online other debates where they go, oh, the offices is a dinosaur. They're going away. Everybody, you know, big companies are going to have no offices. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think, I think they, they will be probably bigger offices and more, you know, less of them. 
Because you made a good point. I mean, in Lake Oswego is our headquarters. We've got like 300 agents from there or in there. You know, on the it's a busy office, but it's not crazy. It's not like we've got 100 people running around there. On an average Tuesday, you know, you'll have 30 people popping in, 40 people popping in. And that's a busy, that's a big office. You go out to our Gresham office where we've got like 30 agents. You know, there's two people in the office, three people in the office, kind of like what you said, Joe. So the idea of like, hey, I need to have an office every five, ten miles. Let's let's put one in Wilsonville. Let's put one, you know, in Woodburn. Let's, you know, oh, we, they got to be everywhere. Woodburn's probably a bad example because that's a whole different market. But I mean, Wilsonville, you know, Twelveton, Sherwood. I mean, I think you're just gonna have a bunch of empty offices versus having a, a nice central located one. I thought your your analysis about title reps was interesting. Because that is really the case, and it applies to not just title reps, but mortgage lenders. I remember back in the, the day of mortgage lending, popping into offices, and, and you know that was a, a regular occurrence. Even back then, though, it was, it was dying down. Like people, you'd, you'd pop in offices, and you were just leaving something for them. You, you usually weren't seeing them there. So it is a shift in, in the model of trying to get in front of agents doing events versus going into the office. You got anything on that one, Tucker? For me, I love my office because I got two little rugrats and my life is mayhem as soon as I walk in the door at home. So to depart from mayhem, I come to mayhem number two, which is the office, right? But I will agree with Joe. If I could like, you know, press a button and freeze my kids for an hour and I was at home, I'd get a lot more done than I probably do in the office because when I come to the office, you know, I'm basically the guy that solves everybody else's problems sort of like joe does when he goes to the office so i then have a hard time finding time to do the stuff that i need to do i know a lot of builders don't have offices their office is the job site but for me i like kind of the separation between church and state you know i like to be able to go to the office have that as my workplace and you know my separation i guess from the mayhem of having two little children but you know it's definitely a different business than with realtors that's for sure but I, it's kind of our home base so i i like having it i've had an office since 2005 same office here so you know for me it works well and it's just what we like to do yeah yeah i think it's a preference thing i think it's a totally a preference thing but i i get a lot done at home and and i enjoy my my time at home as well let's move on to the next one joe Cutthroat. Is real estate getting more cutthroat? This one was yours. Why don't you introduce it? Okay, so I'll just paraphrase. I'm staring at it and I can read it, but I can paraphrase all the same. Some longtime friends and clients of mine had a beautiful home in East Moreland, and the husband got a job in Bellevue, and so they were moving. And I listed their house for a million one twenty-five. And in three days, I got them a million one fifty, so twenty five grand north of what they were asking. At the very same time, he landed a pretty important job here in town, and they have no reason to move and no reason to leave the house they so dearly love. So I said, "You know what? No harm, no foul." It doesn't cost you anything. You know, I just take my ball and bat and go home. When the time comes that you need to sell, give me a call, but now's not the time. And so I withdrew it as we do when you take a a house off the market. However, in six months time or however long it was that I had the contract be good for, it was going to change from withdrawn to expired And we all know expired or canceled listings are all guns on deck. Any broker that wants to call them or 
drive by or ring their doorbell or whatever can. And I knew it was expiring. I called them and sent them an email and I said, this status is going to change and it's going to be a super pain in the butt for you guys. And I do not have your phone number there. It's not listed. It says, do not call. I've done every precautions that you can possibly do. However, the people that really call expired subscribe to these third-party data mining companies that will cross-reference their utility bills for phone numbers and cross-reference you know, tax documents for phone numbers. Anyway, it was about a week later, and the wife called and said, we've had 150 phone calls, and it's been five days. They got brownies and cookies in the mail. They've had people drop by. <laughs> ring Were their they doorbell. magic brownies? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, my house just might expire soon if that's the case. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So everyone and their brother was bringing gifts and cookies and cards and stopping by and calling. And they went so far as with these data mining websites, they might not get the wife or husband's phone number, but it might be their 11-year-old daughter. <clears throat> and so realtors are calling their daughter and their their aunt and their sister and their family, and it's all connected. And, you know, it does seem pretty cutthroat. Look, I remember when I started, I called Expireds. I loved it, never had a problem with it. I thought it was fun. I was great at it. And I, I think our market has changed a little, I don't know that with the no call list and people blocking numbers, you know, it doesn't take too many phone calls to just stop answering your phone. So if, if you're a realtor calling, I mean, how would you like to be the 150th call? What are the, what's the probability of you get, you know, come on over, bring your stuff. You know, my pen is ready. Bring a contract. <laughs> yeah. No, it's going to, you're going to go through three or four and then it's going to be done. So I wish brokers would be a little more sensitive to this. If a day has gone by, they've already gotten 35 calls. That's just reality. So if you're not on it, on top of it, maybe don't bother with it. I'm not trying to discourage cold calling. And I know there's people here that call expireds and they say, look, I call expireds and I get listings from it and I'm good at it. And this is what I do. And don't be hating. But you can tell by the, the thread, people are mad, and the general public is looking at us like the quintessential ambulance-chasing lawyer. You know, something goes expired, and man, the heat comes from everywhere. So those are my thoughts. I, I'm not a fan of it. I, I'm especially not a fan of the talk tracks and script that's being said. There were comments where people said, yeah, I would like to finish the job that your last agent couldn't. You know, your last broker was ineffective and could not get your results and couldn't sell your house and kind of crapping on the broker. And and the person who's telling the story, it was her, I think her ex-husband or something. So she's relaying pretty much verbatim what was said that, I'm sorry, your last broker was horrible at marketing your, your house. I can get it sold. And I don't like any part of that if that's happens to be the truth 
Steve, what do you think about this uh, lovely <clears throat> tactic for so, shaking the bushes? The underarching question, or overarching, I should probably say, is is real estate getting more cutthroat, right? Is your answer in one word, yes or no, Joe? Well, it's uh, not Never that easy. Joe to say anything in one word, by the way. <laughs> uh, it, it's, 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 it's yes, it's more cutthroat on the prospecting <clears throat> side of things, but no, it is not cutthroat on the you're in a transaction cooperating side of things gotcha gotcha so i'm not convinced that it's more cutthroat here's what i know is the case is we have more data now that we than we did 10 years ago 10 years ago if a house went expired i think people were handwriting notes they might might do a drop in they might mail something they might you know, they might call the number in the MLS. They just, I don't think the databases were out there that gave, that let you go one, two, three Main Street. Oh, here's all the phone numbers associated with this, including the teenage daughter. And by the way, the teenage daughter's number isn't in caps. Hey, this girl is 14 years old. I mean, they just see a bunch of phone numbers. So I think that is what's different as it pertains to this anyway. Maybe it's more cutthroat. I, I can't say definitively. I think probably 10 years ago or 20 years ago, there was always some newbies that were trying new stuff to try to get somebody on the phone. And if they had the data that they have today, they probably would have used it and things would have probably been the same. So that's probably my, my bigger answer. Yeah, this, this thread went into all sorts of stuff. Expired. Gosh, people, I, I don't know, man. That's I get where there's a place for that. I would hope for most people that's in your early years of your career and then you graduate from it as you make people happy and do a good job and get referrals and build momentum and start to capitalize on other opportunities that aren't as competitive, aren't dog properties probably or possibly dog sellers because from my experience, expireds usually are a bad property or a bad seller who doesn't need to sell or price isn't willing to price it correctly. So to fight tooth and nail, like your little photo here with a bunch of wolves, so you can get that as the prize is just, it doesn't sound like, it doesn't sound like the best business model. And and there are people in this thread who they've made that their business model. Um, and they were, they were not afraid to say it. And, and they do a lot of business and they run teams well, here's what I'll tell you. I know some of these people pretty well. Even if you love that hunt, you as a team leader, like you eat, sleep, and breathe, dialing for dollars, you know, call 79 to get one listing. They even have dialers now. Do you guys know what a dialer is? I, I, I hear about it from oh, time yeah. to time. I, I can I, talk all about it when we get to me, but yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I've, I don't know that I've ever seen one. I hear people talking about it, and they're, you know, they're bragging about how many phone numbers they've called, et cetera, et cetera. But Back to what I was saying is even if you love that as a team leader, it's rough on a team to make people wake up in the morning, skip and whistle to work and then go, okay, get on that phone, call 200 people that are all going to tell you to F off or hang up on you. And good luck doing that and not having a massive amount of turnover. And by the way, the people on here that are saying they love that, they do have a lot of turnover. So the other thing that came up in this thread was the do not call list. Gosh, I don't know how to help those people. I, I don't think there's a good answer to that. I think people just need to toughen up. You know, back in the day when I was a kid growing up, you, you just got solicitation calls and 
to act like you're weak in the knees and it, you know, is a it was a stab to the heart and my gosh, how dare they call me? I'm on the do not call list. I mean, I think you got to just you got to move past that and to to try to set up a mechanism that prevents this. I mean, okay, so now they don't get, you know, 50 calls from realtors, but they're going to get other calls and I think it's just a, a a part of having a phone and people, I don't know. I don't think there's an easy answer to that. I don't think, you know, there was all sorts of brainstorming here. Like, can we, what if we do this? What if we do that? Will that stop the calls? And the only one that I saw that made the most sense is, look, if it expires and they're no longer your clients, then kind of who cares, right? I mean, I don't mean that callously, but like, they're not your clients. Like it's part of the process. They're going to get a bunch of calls. If it expires, or it's about to expire and they are still your clients, like there's an extenuating circumstance, there was some good advice about maybe extending the listing contract and withdrawing it instead. I thought that was valid valid advice, and I think there could be an argument there depending on how long it is, and I don't know the MLS rules for that. Um, and then uh, I, I thought it reminded me of an interesting thing. Recently, I got a phone call to go to a listing appointment in Lake Oswego, and as I looked up the property, it had expired. And they told me they, they were on the market for six months with someone else. In big letters in the MLS, all caps, it said, do not call this person. They are in a listing contract, blah, 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 blah. Very, very aggressive. And I talked to the, the sellers about it. And they're like, no, we're not in a listing contract with that person. And we heard somebody else told us that it said that there. So I, I thought that was an interesting spin to this, which is where agents are closing out their MLS expireds, trying to keep people from calling them by doing that. Whether that's right or wrong is the whole different story. And then, um, yeah, that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of my take on it. I, uh, it was an interesting, um, you know, uh, pretty dynamic thread with lots of, lots of calls back and forth. I guess in the, to sum it up, um, I don't know if it's more cutthroat. I know there's more data and technology out there that makes it easier to find those people. I also know that I don't think there's a surefire way to protect your client from it. I think if they're going to expire, fortunately, I, I, I don't I can't think of too many expires I've had. And and, and when it happens, I, I guess it's just kind of what, what's going to happen. What about you, Tucker? Uh, well, I think that at the end of the day, it's cyclical to some extent, right? We're at the you know, probably the pinnacle of real estate market in terms of number of realtors in the game, um, values, you know, at least in the eighth or ninth inning in terms of, you know, this particular run up in the cycle. And every time we get to this point, there's a lot of people, you know, chasing the almighty dollar, right? And so I think that when that's the case, those that are I consider to be the worst marketers tend to flock to the worst ways of getting business. And so when there's a lot of people that are in the business that maybe don't have a ton of experience, there's a lot more people flocking to the worst ways to get business. And so I think that probably gives the feeling of maybe it's more cutthroat, but more on like the, the act the lead acquisitions end, you know, or the, you know, the lead intake end where you're trying to get business. I will also say, though, the technology is radically improved. I mean, we built an, an, an app that's used nationwide that we, we use for our business, too. But basically, you can go to any property, select the property. It tells you who owns it. It tells you where their mailing address is. So you can market to them. It gives you their phone number. It gives you all their mortgage information. It gives you when it was last sold and whether it's owner-occupied or non-owner. Wow. Um, and it does it <laughs> nationwide on any property. And so we built 
you know, locally here, probably a, a combined list of about 20,000 very targeted properties where we have all of that data on all those properties. And so then we'll direct mail market to these people and then we'll follow it up with phone calls. But we don't do the, the, the dialer that you're talking about. We do ringless voicemail. So we bypass the no call list because it doesn't ring. It just goes straight to their ring, uh, to their voicemail. And then we leave a voicemail that references the direct mail piece we sent them. And it works really well because we're not, um, you know, intruding into their life. If, if, if the voicemail really bothers them that bad, so is the direct mail piece. They're going to tell me to piss off anyway, but get over it, right? You know, you, there's a garbage can for the direct mail piece and there's a delete button for the voicemail. So, yeah. you know, yeah. grow some, grow a pair and just, you know, whatever, move on with your day. But, um, you know, I think technology to sum it up has, you know, improved dramatically. And so a lot of that data is much more easily available, partly because we've created an app for it for a lot of people in the real estate business. But, um, you know, calling expired, like you said, though, I just think it's a terrible model because it's like (laughs) the house didn't sell for likely two reasons. Number one, it was way overpriced. And number two is the person selling it's a giant pain in the ass or a combination of those two things. And so, like you said, Steve, do you really want to fight over that prize? Um, yeah. You know, people do, but shit, I don't want to. So, you know, I, I guess hats off to those people that want to beat their head against the wall every day and fight over that prize. But uh, I just think there's probably a better way to ultimately uh, be in this business, which you kind of alluded to as well. Yeah, there was a saying somebody once told me. They said, cold calling is the punishment of delivering bad service. <laughs> and I, I agree with that. I think one exception that we on my team do is Corefact. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Corefact, but it's that it's a mailing company that when it goes out, they can actually get a direct mail piece, register in. It gives them some information on their house value. You get pinged that somebody at that address checked out their home's value. You grab the phone numbers. Now you've got an inbound call, but that's kind of almost a warmish lead. And, and you know, it's the closest we do to cold calling, but um, – yeah. And again, I'm not I, I want to be clear here. I am not poo-pooing anybody that cold calls. I think that's okay when you're starting out in this business. But when you graduate to cold calling and you've made that your business model, I just know there's so many other ways to have inbound calls, to have warm, warm referrals, to have, you know, it's just a it's a better business. It's cleaner, it's more fun. You, you enjoy your day more, you, you make more money. And, um, I would encourage anybody that is, takes this business seriously. And there's a, there's a lot of our listeners that do to, you know, do what you have to do in the early stages, but try to get away from it when you can and, and, and graduate to, to a, a better form of business. Hey, have you, uh, have either of you ever sent anybody cookies? <laughs> Never. <laughs> Never. No. I figured, no. but I just got to ask. So. Yeah. Nope. Nope. <laughs> me, me either. So, yeah. <laughs> right, so, should we move on? Yeah. Let's go on to, um, let's go on to this one. Let me pull it up here. Um, it was about an open house. Um, and this is kind of, um, it's not that different than, uh, what we're talking about. And I'll tell you why. Because, um, it's the uh, it's kind of the same idea of cold calling only for lenders. So um, and I, I'm, I was gonna put you on the hot seat on this one. In fact, I might I might start with you, Tucker, just because you were a lender once, so you, you're better positioned to answer the, some of this. So um, uh, this agent was at an open house. A lender came in with his card 
to talk about a 1% down program. She had a busy open house. There were 14 sets of people through um, in two hours. He kept talking to me several times, even though I had clients there. Um, and then finally, he kind of was out of the way. A potential buyer was talking to her. She asked if they were working with an agent, it sounded like. They said no. She asked if they were pre-approved yet. They said no. Linder just <laughs> beelines to him, hands him a card, and says, give me a call. I can help you with that. Um, without her blessing, and um, that was her post. And then it, it created 40 different, 48 different comments. So there was a lot of opinions and thoughts on this. Very, Most of them are very negative towards the lender. Of no course. Mistake. Of course. Yeah. Evil yeah. lenders. Um, yeah. I guess we'll start with you, Tucker. But my first question to you as you go into this and discuss it is, um, did you ever, when you were a lender, go into an, an open house or a broker's open and try to get business from agents, even on day one? Yeah, I did, yeah. and it was very I uncomfortable. Too. I did a couple times. I hated it, yeah. though. <laughs> yeah, I hated it, too, because it was super uncomfortable and weird. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know if this is a lender problem. I think this is a, a personal problem. Like, for example, right, my dad's one of those people where – he just doesn't know when to shut up, you know, when somebody's <laughs> had enough of the conversation, right? And and a lot of people, when they get older, they kind of, it's not just him, but it seems like when when uh, guys specifically <laughs> get older, your guys' dad probably do the same thing. You know, they I'm talk, only... you know, like, I've heard this story before. I don't, let's wrap it up. I don't need to hear anymore. And they're just oblivious to those, like, <laughs> you know, uh, t keys that you're giving them in your body language or whatever. I let's think this clear. lender, what's that? <laughs> Let's be clear. Tucker's not just discriminating against his dad. He wants to tell all old people that they, they're bad. <laughs> <laughs> not all old people, but it's, it's a yeah. tendency that we have as we get older for whatever reason. Anyway, the point is, is that, you know, this maybe this guy, it's not a lender thing. Maybe he just possesses that gene that uh, doesn't allow him to recognize that maybe the agent was done with the conversation and he probably could have wrapped it up. Um, but you know, then of course, hanging around and, and trying to deliver his card. Maybe that was his whole idea from the beginning. You know, there's, there's tact, I guess. And some people have it and some people don't. And as you and I both agreed, it's kind of weird to go into somebody else's open house that you don't know, and then try and fish for clients <laughs> for people that are there. Cause they're trying to fish for clients too, at the same time. And now you're fishing in their pond and it just gets weird, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I would I mean, do it. I'll, I'll jump in. I, I did it. You know, I got into the business and, and I remember you and I've talked about this, Tucker. When we both got into the real estate mortgage lending game, we didn't know a bunch of realtors. I mean, we, we didn't have mommy realtor or cousin Bob or anybody. I, I was I was with you. So, you know, I, I, I got some training from a interesting mortgage company we'll as did you. interesting i was trained there as well. <laughs> and And they definitely promoted, you know, this type of activity and in, in fact if you read this thread it sounded like the mortgage company was encouraging this mortgage company was encouraging their loan officers to get selfies with realtors and the one who got the most selfies at open houses won a prize or something um that almost sounds like something that willamette mortgage could have done back well in the day, but, maybe it was one of their uh their old managers started their own shop somewhere i don't know yeah yeah but um so I, I, I ended up doing it. I, I can only think of a couple times I did it and it was awkward and it didn't, it wasn't fruitful. And, 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 and I'm not going to fault anyone that does it by any means. But again, like I said about expireds, this is a rite of passage. Like if, if you, if, if this is where you graduate to, or if this is like a regular staple in your business, um, 
I, I think you're doing something wrong. Um, you're, you're not working smarter. You're, you're, you're working harder. And, and usually success doesn't come by sheer brute force to, you know, and, and that applies to all of us. I mean, you know, be, there's something to be said about a soft sell where you add value, where you create value, where you, um, are, um, engaging and and you know and and just and just a, a different approach versus just sheer brute force repeatedly over and over again um <clears throat> it's almost you know like using a hammer to to fix a watch or something it's just it's crazy what do you think joe you know i think it's bad behavior for the lender to run over and you know, hey, here's my card and here's the rates and all this other stuff. If you think about it, um, we're all selling all the time, whether you're an employee or you're, you're self-employed, you're selling something. You're, you're selling your, your own qualities and attributes to your boss to keep you as an employee, even though it's not a commission job. So, you know, it's that, uh, Cardone book, uh, 10X and sell or be sold, you know, that's the premise that we're all selling. So in a perfect world, uh, you have a realtor holding an open house. Um, what does he want or she want to accomplish out of that? Well, ideally find the perfect buyer and, and sell the damn thing, right? That's, that's one of them. But the other thing is to, uh, find prospects, right? So there's, three things in prospecting that you want to find out. You want to find out the person coming to your open house, are they thinking about planning or planning on moving? Um, which means someone in the neighborhood that came by, they want to sell to and wanted to look at it, or they're looking to buy in the neighborhood. You want to find out if uh, they know of anyone thinking about or planning on moving. All right. That's filling up their circle and, and extending. And depending on your relationship, maybe not at an open house, but people you know uh, a lot better than that. You want to find out that when they do come across someone thinking about planning on moving, be it themselves or someone else, would they give you the highest recommendation and set up a soft a softball for you? Set it up so you can call them and set it up so they can call you. So not only give someone your contact information, but uh, call and tell you their information because when my information is given to someone it's what like 20 percent 30 percent that they call me if i'm given a, a prospective client's information it's a hundred percent i'll call them probably a hundred percent i'll call them in the morning and call them again in the evening if if i didn't reach them the first time so there's a little bit of finesse in doing it this lender, uh, as it as it states, kind of ran across the room and just jumped right in and, and was forceful. I mean, there's no tact to that. I, I guess it's better than waiting outside the front door and attacking everybody as they as they enter or exit. But um, I think it can work well if you have a lender that you like who is tactful. The art of selling is to not look like you're selling, right? So. Uh, that's pretty much it. This guy was bad at it and I'd be pissed too. But hey, if I got a lender who has done hundreds of loans for me and, and we were hanging out together and he jumped in and did his thing, it would be presented more as an informative thing and a benefit and a value add for the person standing in that house than it would 
being, <laughs> you know, uh, ambushed like like this guy did. So, um, in this scenario, I tell the guy to get the hell out uh, immediately. <laughs> um, so that, that might not thoughts. be awkward, right, Steve? I mean, you know, that, 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 that. yeah. Hey, I'll I'll say I'll say two things real quick to our, our lender listeners out there, or you know, even even the realtors who maybe um, are interested. As as a previous former lender, this is this is the formula I would give anybody that's brand new to lending and is trying to get realtor business. Which, by the way, as as a lender, is the best business. There's no mistake about it. Um, Chase refis all you want. I mean, realtors is the best business in any market, and it's the it's the best clients. They're not as rate sensitive. Um, they're not shopping you as hard. You're getting a warm referral. I could go on and on about why realtor business is the best business. When I was brand new, what I identified quickly worked was find a buyer, and that there's that's a million dollar question, right? Like, how do you find a buyer? I I I flyered apartments, I uh, did mailers, I did all sorts of stuff. Find an unrepresented buyer, call a realtor in your that you're targeting, explain to them, be upfront, say, hey, I've got a buyer, you know introduce yourself. I'd like rarely, I, I can't think of one time the realtor goes, nope, not interested in that buyer, right? Any, any realtor is going to say, yes, I would be willing to work with you with that buyer and, and kind of make it known. I'd like to, in return, I'd like to reciprocate. I'd hope you'd reciprocate this and at least send me one of, one of your buyers. And most are going to agree with that. Now you've given them something valuable. They're going to, they have an opportunity to experience biz, working with you and by golly, make it a good smooth process. They'll probably follow up on their word and send you another buyer. So there's another opportunity to work with them. And then guess what you guess what works now drop into an open house. Now go to a broker tour. Now invite them to lunch. Now start building that relationship as you've got several buyers going. Hopefully if you have a, if you have a, you know, a good personality, which hopefully if you're in the business, you do, you can start to get momentum in the relationship and, and you can start to, you know, start to really set yourself apart from other lenders they know. Obviously, that strategy works well when you're newer. As you get busier as a lender, it's hard to have that many buyers that you're constantly able to give them. But the good news is as you get busier as a lender, you're able to find value in other ways. You can offer value through marketing dollars, whether it's Zillow or other marketing efforts that help them gain more buyers together with you in RESPA compliant ways. You can have team members that add value, help them with marketing efforts, help them with open houses. There's a lot of room for creativity, but that is the formula that gets realtors and 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 actually does a good job at gaining traction. Um, this sheer brute force stuff doesn't work, and um, it's almost probably a desperation method of somebody who's probably almost out the door of the business, and somebody's putting a lot of pressure on them, like you got to do something, or or you're going to be out the door. So let's move on to the last one, guys, which is also about lending. Uh, let me pull it up here. Um, it's an interesting topic that just came up yesterday. Um, and it's the, uh, it's the first time I think I've seen it on the, the group. Um, let me read it here. It says, I've, I've heard some rumblings that one of the bigger real estate agencies is launching a lending department. I know which agency, just rather not name them in public. They're possibly offering zero origination fees, zero out-of-pocket for appraisals, and covering other closing costs. 
They'll also be servicing their own loans and offering competitive rates. They're also likely will require clients to read sign a form declining their lending services if they opt to use their own lenders. Doesn't this sound, seem like steering? What are your thoughts, masters? Um, why doesn't one of you guys take that one away and tell me your thoughts on that? Ooh, well, um, they said something about no origination fee, no uh, appraisal fee. No, yeah, there's some nothing. paranoia there. There's some yeah, paranoia no, there. No, nothing fee. So it's like the the no fee uh, loan at one percent thirty year fixed is what it sounds like from the post. Well, I think that's I'm speculation. Yeah. yeah, I think that's <laughs> speculation. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I people have been trying to do this forever, right? I mean, I, I agree. think this is kind of much to do about nothing. As the market, you know, again going back to where we're at in the cycle, you know, there comes a point where companies want to get bigger and do more and you know, they want to be, uh, as uh, you put it once to me, Steve, the Bo Jackson of uh, the real estate world, right? And, I um, that, yeah. you know, I, I think that it's hard to be the Bo Jackson of anything, and it's definitely hard to be it in the world of real estate because, like you just explained, there's there's multiple relationships that make you successful, um, you know, whether it be as a lender or as a realtor, and, and those relationships continue to feed your business. And so, I don't know. I think that it'll probably run its course. Will they get some clients? Sure, they will. Um, you know, and uh, Joe's got to, you know, deal with some stuff. So have at it. Um, but uh, I don't know, man. I think it's much to do about nothing. It just it, they're trying to grab market share. And will they get some clients? Sure, they'll get some clients. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to hurt anybody that's good at their job. And that's kind of my feeling on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm with you, Tucker. I, I have heard, I mean, there is a, there is chatter about a few companies, some local, possibly this one larger and further than local, um, trying to go this route. Um, but but like you said, this isn't a new this isn't a new concept. I mean, this has been around since I've been around and much much longer. Um, so, I mean, this, unlike, unlike other technologies, you know, you can talk about like a Zillow, how's it disrupting or what's it changing things. That's, there, there's something new there. This isn't new. Um, what the thing about it is you got specialization. Um, the idea that you're going to set up a mortgage company that gives away the service for free so that you can then profit on the real estate side or vice versa, because I think there was some comment like, well, what if they list for less, but then they make the money on the mortgage? Well, you and I both know, Tucker, clients aren't clients aren't that naive, right? No, when and there's the too many time? moving parts. There's too many people that got to be paid. I, I just don't see how you rob Peter to pay Paul and make that make sense in the scheme of business. I just don't. And clients shop. Clients yeah. shop. I mean, that my experience is very consistent here. Clients shop. So... The idea that you're going to give them a, a reduced listing commission, but then you're going to rake them over the coals on, on, on they're not going to check with anyone else. I mean, you, you they, they would be setting themselves up for this scenario where they give them the reduced listing commission and then they go they go shop you and go with a different lender. Because I can't I, I'm, I'm almost positive from a compliance standpoint, you can't tie the two together. Hey, I will give you this listing commission if you use my lender. Um, so. And and then like like you like you said the the Bo Jackson concept. I mean, it's been pretty rare through history that you've had players in sports that were what even even people who naturally were gifted at two sports at some point they've got to pick one 
and just really focus on it and really specialize in it and 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 you know let the other one go to to think that you're going to have some powerhouse that dominates in both is is just a fallacy it, it it isn't and it's been tried over and over again one of the other things that i thought was interesting it may have been a point made here when a big mortgage company has an in-house lender they may get some of the business of the 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 real estate company but guess what other business they can never get the non-real estate company business so, so so on the one hand you're like oh my gosh you know this big company just set up lending in house they're going to kill it with their agents and and by the way real my experience is you know a fairly comp component of your agents actually do that um you know, with some some finesse and some creativity and some good good you know execution, yeah, you can get a decent percentage. But there's it's it's never going to be ninety percent. It's never going to even be close to fifty percent. And that's when it's a separate company. It even becomes weirder and murkier when when it's the same company or an affiliate. You know, a very similar affiliation with a company because. Clients start to, you know, they start to get a little bit more suspicious in those situations, as do probably the agents. So, um, so then you've got this, you've got this in-house lender who now is getting a, a percentage of this, the real estate company's business, but they're not able to go knock on other real estate companies and say, hey, I'm, you know, Joe Schmo, I want your business. And they're going to be like, no, you're the in-house lender over there. You're, you're in, you're, you're in cahoots with that company. So it creates a whole conundrum issue there as well um, that, 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 that's really hard to, to build a successful model around. Joe, how's, how's your in-house lender? <laughs> how's Soldera well, Mortgage? You know, um, uh, these partnerships, look, you know, positioning yourself for the highest probability of making money is terrific. But when you take it to uh, the level where you have a contract or money is exchanged that you need to use this person, then it's not good. Um, but it's no different than anything else. You have a builder in a subdivision and they say, hey, we don't care what lender you go through, but you need to be pre-qualified by my lender because I trust my lender and I need to know definitively that you can afford it. Then after that, you can go to whatever lender you want. It's sort of a ploy to get these people to use the builder's lender. Furthermore, hey, and if you use this guy, you know, we're going to build that back fence and we're going to give you $3,500 towards closing costs. So there's all this stuff going on. Um, where it crosses the line is when you're bound by a contract and money exchanges hands. But if it's just a good partnership, it sort of works for everybody. Like, for example, a long time ago, I was in this BNI group, uh, Business Network International type of thing. And you try and uh, set it up with all these people that are in uh, real estate services business, right? So you try and find a mover, a contractor, a roofer, a landscaper, a lender, a realtor, all these other people. Because guess what? Someone who calls a roofer and says, hey, man, put a roof on my house. What are the chances that someone's getting a roof because it's going on the market and they know they're going to need a roof anyway? The people doing the landscaping out front that they've neglected for 10 years now have a, a landscaper out there. They call a mover for a bid. Well, 
everybody has a little bit of skin in the game. And if ISO happen to get a listing, then I can say, hey, you know what? You should call this guy. He'll clean up your yard. Call this guy. He'll give you a bid on moving and storage. Call this person. He can fix those things that blatantly need to get fixed. So this whole lending real estate partnership is not foreign stuff. Um, I think it'd be better to just be a master of, of one job than a jack of all trades. And I guess you can have lending in there and I guess you can have real estate under the same umbrella, but with all this CFPB and all these people on a witch hunt to bust people and get money, um, you know, I'm going to run and hide from that. I'll just keep my friendly relationships that I have, but you know, there's no, uh, no vision of Soldera mortgage coming, (laughs) coming out anytime soon. Yeah. And, and builders are different. I think that's why it gets, it looks so tempting to, to real estate companies. Builders can do this. I don't know that I fully understand why it's different, but it is. They can say you are required to get pre-approved with this, our mortgage company. And, oh yes, we will give you $5,000 if you use them. Don't ask me why, but we cannot, it, it has never been allowed and will never be allowed to do that on the real estate side if you have a, an in-house lender or partner. Um, uh, so I think that kind of throws people because the builders do get really good traction with their their in-house lenders. And, and if you are a builder, you probably should have, I mean, if you're a big builder, for sure, um, you probably should have in-house lending. I think that model is proven. Um, you should also probably have an in-house real estate company. I think that model's proven. <clears throat> yeah, that, that model's what, proven. Yep. <laughs> what is not proven is the model of um, of a real estate company having in-house lending. And I and I want to be care- I want to be really clear here, guys. I'm not saying you can't have a partnership with somebody that's a separate entity, and they be your in-house lender or they be your preferred lender. That is in no way what I'm saying here. I'm talking about you create an LLC that is your company and now you are doing the lending yourself. Um, You're going into a whole new area and a whole new spectrum um, and there's a whole new bag of gremlins over there that you haven't even started to deal with and trying to be profitable over there. It's probably just as likely to take your profitability down as it is to, to go up. Not to mention spread your expertise and, and what your focus is on exponentially while also making all of your clients and agents suspicious. And um, and lastly, like like Joe said, possibly the regulators. So have fun with that. <laughs> yeah, I guess to sum it up, I wouldn't be too concerned about it. I think it'll work itself out and I don't think anybody's truly going to be affected negatively by it, you know, as far as them being your competition. Yeah, I think I think ultimately the best thing to do find a good partner or two that is a lender and and figure out those compliant ways where you you guys can add value to each other and and you know do shared events or whatever it is so that you know there's a, a, a reciprocation of value while you're promoting them and they're doing a good job for your clients and um, that model I think is proven and I think it, it works well. And, and there's a separation, kind of like you said earlier, there's a separation between church and state. You can legitimately tell your clients, look, I don't benefit if you use them or not, but here's why I think you should use them. And that's a very genuine conversation and very different than something you somebody would do that's you know setting up an in-house 
um, same ownership lender relationship. For sure. Well, there you have it. All right. Well, there we go. We made it through. Nice work, gentlemen. So, any parting words of advice before uh, any final thoughts? Anything uh, to get through Snowmageddon round two and three safely that uh, you want our listeners to know, Steve? Or Joe? No, I'm just going to load up my dialer and start cold calling a bunch of random people to to see if uh, I can uh, if I can sell their expired listing, and um, I'm going to start cold calling some some uh, some loan officers to come work for PPG Mortgage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. While while in your boxers at home. Yeah, yeah. that's right. There's, Maybe think about the... standing on the uh, front door of uh, some open houses, handing out cards and pre-approving people before they walk in too. But just make sure you don't yeah. know the agent that's hosting it, also. So you know. yep, yep, yeah, yeah. Let's get some rumors going out there. there there's your takeaways, folks. So all right. Well, uh, hey Joe, thanks for joining us again, and uh, we'll see all you guys out there in Listen Land on the next one. Thanks again for listening to our show and make sure to tune in next week for another great episode of the Portland Real Estate Podcast.